Hallelujah. We just have some, I think, some very wonderful things to share with you today. And uh, first of all, I want to talk a little bit about my book. I wrote this book for this time. I thought I was just dragging my feet, kind of, but I wanted to give you a little insight into it. Uh, it's called Impartations, Divine Rescues, and I'm going to talk about it so it can help you have more idea. You know, a lot of people have been in the ministry a long time sometimes, and we talk about impartations, they go, what? What's that? But you know it's all through the Bible. You know you are today, you personally, whoever you are, and me. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a group of impartations that's been put into me. Some good, some bad. And if you're smart, you go to the Bible and say, God will root out all those things that are not of him. Matthew 15, 13 and 14. He'll root them right out of you. Sometimes through the prophet's ministry, which is what I am. But anyway, he'll get them out of it if you're sincere about being clean. Hallelujah. But I wanted to tell you about this. Now, when we talk about impartations, I'm, just, I'm going to say this a couple times during this message, so I hope you're listening. I hope you're really listening. <laughs> As most people, they don't listen. They hear what we say, but they don't listen. If it doesn't change your life, you didn't listen. You heard me, but you didn't listen to me. See, I believe church and the Word should always affect me in a positive way, always change me, alter me, tweak me. Whatever word you want to use doesn't matter to me. But it's going to change you if you're a real believer and you're hungry for God. And if you're not, I'm not sure why you're here. But anyway, you know, God wants to change you no matter what level you're at, no matter what level I'm at. Yeah, I pay attention. So anyway, so you could have, when we talk about impartation, it could be a personal prophecy that God gave you, like I have some that God gave me, and a lot of them are in my new book. Not all of them, but a lot of them are. Because my prophecies help me, and they're like a blueprint for my life. Now you might say, well, Dr. Jacobs, I don't have any personal prophecies. Well, that, God didn't leave you out if you're a part of this church. Whatever the Spirit of God has said to you, especially through me as a prophet in these last 35 years, that's your prophecy. You know, it's not, it's not Graceland's prophecy. It's not Southeast prophecy or some other church. It's Church on the Rock's prophecy. If you're a part of this church, that was to you. And I've taught you really well. I'm not sure you heard me again. But I've told you that's your prophecy. That's for you. And if you'll take it up and speak it. Remember we prophesied last May. Not this last May 2020. Last May 2019. To cast all your cares on the Lord. And some of you did, and some of you didn't pay attention, and you got all kinds of cares today. See, that was a specific word for this church, or God wouldn't have had me say it. And then it said, many will crumble, and look what we've been through in the last 12 months. But, you know, I'm not crumbling. I haven't enjoyed it all, but I'm still living and, and prospering and moving ahead with God. And you can too. I'm trying to help you see the importance of what I'm talking about. I'm taking a few minutes to talk to you because if you don't get this, the rest that I say is of no value. So you have personal prophecies sometimes that are given to you. My spiritual father taught us, taught me well. He said, whatever you receive from God will not come to pass unless you put it in your mouth. And that's true of the Bible, first of all. If the Bible says you're more than a conqueror, but you don't talk like that, you're not. God thinks you are, but you don't think you are, so you get to vote for yourself. You put yourself out of that. How about no weapon formed against us shall prosper? 
How about Psalm 91? And I'm in a better covenant than that. A thousand fall at one side and ten thousand at my right hand, but it will not come nigh me. Is that real? Of course it's real for those who believe it. You have to mix your faith with what anybody teaches you from the Bible or even your Bible reading or it won't mean nothing to you. Hallelujah. I don't know if you're ready for me, but I'm ready for you. Yeah, and so I'm trying to include all of you to understand you don't have to have a list of prophecies like I have here. What this means to me, it means more work, more effort, and a greater judgment for me because I have those that were spoken over me by reliable men and women of God. Are you still here? So I'm still talking about my book because I want you to understand something about it. Before Dad went home, Dad Dufresne, he went home seven years ago this October. Uh, I was on an airplane going to Texas, going to Dr. Hattaball's church to preach. I flew over there on a Thursday, and we were going to start Friday night. I had my prophecies when I'm on the airplane. I had my prophecies out like this on my little table, and I was looking at them, and God rebuked me. He said, Michael, you know, you don't read these enough. You don't talk to yourself about them enough. And you don't talk to me enough about what's in these prophecies. So first of all, I got rebuked. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know if you're babies or not, but I'm not. And I, so, you know, I don't get pouty if he talks to me like that. I'd rather have him just talk straight than to talk double talk. Sometimes I listen to people on TV. They don't, I don't even know what they're saying, and I'm not an idiot. They're just talking gibberish. So I got rebuked and I said, Father, I am so sorry. I just bowed my head on the plane. I didn't let say everybody listen. I just said, Father, I'm so sorry. And I say, I pray that you'll help me. And then he said, I want to encourage you too, Michael. I'm rebuking you, but I want to encourage you. You're looking at them a lot more than you used to. I thought, well, praise God, I've got at least a thumb up on that part a little bit. Now I'm just talking to you. I'm talking about me. So if it, it shouldn't offend you unless you're like that. You don't pay any attention to anything. I just heard Pastor Keith on Friday night up at Sunday, Pastor Sonny Fox Church talk about it. He had a prophecy and he was staying with it for six months and it, it got in a pile of papers on his desk for two or three years. He finally found it. And the Lord said, what about that? And he says, well, I haven't really done anything with it. And he said, that's why you don't have anything. So if the preachers, me and him, could get rebuked over something, you're certainly included. Because we try to pay more attention than most people because that's just what we do. It's spiritual things. Or if you're not, then get out of the ministry. We just listen to somebody that does pay attention. So anyway, I'm on the airplane. And so when I get to my hotel that night, I have these out with my Bible, looking them over and talking to the Father about these prophecies. Specific ones stood out more than others at different times. And if he gives me quickening to it, a specific prophecy, I don't know how many is on this sheet, but uh, I pay attention to that because he's trying to bring my attention to something that maybe I haven't seen as clearly as I need to. Now, I'm not going to teach a long time today, but I want to talk to you about the book because it, what I'm teaching you is in the book, but a whole lot more is in the book than I have time to get into. So I kind of feel bad that it took me seven years to even write it. I talked to Dad Dufresne, my spiritual father, Dr. Dufresne, before I wrote the book. And I said, I'd like to write a book about impartations. And Dad said, go ahead, you ought to. 
And I said, well, these are the chapters I'm thinking about and mentioned them to him. He said, that'd be great. I think that'd be awesome. So I began to write it. Of course, you know, uh, then he went home. I'm going to tell you about that. Uh, I was at Pastor Dennis's Friday about noon or maybe 1 o'clock. I don't remember the exact time. I got a call from Morgan Dufresne, his daughter-in-law, Dr. Dufresne's daughter-in-law. And she said, Dr. Jacobs, uh, Dad's gone. And, I, and she said that just like that, Dad's gone. And I said, I know this doesn't make sense to your brain, but my brain didn't have anywhere to put that. So I said something kind of silly. I said, you didn't say what I thought you just said, did you? And she kind of held up. She knew I was starting to cry. And she said, yes, Dr. Dufresne and Mitch are in heaven. They went to heaven this morning in an airplane accident. So I don't know how that affects you, but it affected me dramatically because I'd, I'd had a real father and I had a stepfather, and, but I never had a really great relationship with either of them. And uh, he was really a spiritual father, but this much more than that to me. And uh, so I started crying, you know, after I got off the phone with her and wandered around in that hotel room. It was one of the loneliest hotel rooms I've ever been in at that moment. Went in the bathroom, looked in the mirror, and I said, listen, Michael, this is what you're going to do. You're going to believe God, and you're going to get on the other side of this. Now, right then, I didn't feel like getting on the other side of anything. And I'd called Pastor Hatterball and said, listen, I told him what had happened. He got upset. You want me to come be with you? I said, no, I just want to be alone right now. I appreciate it. I, you can come take me to dinner. That'd be fine. I'll call you later. And so, you know, but I'm saying all that to say, but I looked over after I got off the phone with Morgan that Dad had went home and I had these prophecies laying out. Now, to you, I don't know if this means anything. I'm just talking about me. But all of a sudden, the Lord said, He's not here anymore, and He will never lay His hands on you again. But you have His words that He spoke to your life. And that was another motivation for me. I, I was just barely started on this book to get something out to the body of Christ about impartations, the importance of them. That's why I wrote this book. And so I pray that you would, you know, get a copy if you're interested. And then as we were moving along in the process of doing the book, I had this thought, and I called the lady that was helping me with it, and I said, you know, Michelle, I, I think I'd like to put some of my prophecies in this book. Do you think that'd be acceptable? What, you got any thoughts about it? She said, I think it'd be great. So at the end of each chapter, she's included one or two, maybe three, I don't know, prophecies. We don't have all the prophecies in the book, but we have some of the main significant ones. Because the prophecies have helped make me who I am. See, you know, where you go to church matters. Who you listen to matters. Not just in the pulpit here, but what you listen to on TV and radio and CDs. There's thousands of preachers, and a lot of them are good ones. But not all of them believe the same way we do. So, you know, if you want to stay not confused, you just stay in your camp. That doesn't mean just me and Jordan, Pastor Jordan, but it means people that believe like we believe. That would help a lot. So, <clears throat> I wanted to take a minute, and I wanted to read to you just a little, little bit here. In fact, I thought it was interesting. Jordan today quoted this scripture. It's the first scripture in my book, Hebrews 13. And this is from the Amplified Bible. For he, God himself, has said, I will not in any way fail you nor give you up, nor leave you without support. 
Now, do you read that every day? That'll set your day. People may leave you. People may lie about you. People may say all manner of ugly things, but that don't matter. If God's not leaving you, man, you got it whipped. <laughs> he said, I'll not leave you without support. I will, and he says, I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless nor forsake you or let you down. I will not relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. Think about that. God's got you in his hands, and he's not going to relax his hold on you. And the reason I put that in there is because of the picture on the front of a vision I had in the 90s. But let me just read just a, a second here, a little excerpt from the book. Everyone in the body of Christ should want to increase and excel in the anointing. He must be willing in every phase of our ministries and lives to adapt, change, and flow with what God has for us. The key word is willing. Our willingness will motivate us to understand and participate with the spiritual principles such as impartation, that are necessary for excellence and advancement. Are you listening? You're not going to have excellence. You're not going to have advancement without paying attention, not just to my book but to the Word of God and what God's told you to do. The anointing is progressive. To have a stronger anointing imparted to us, we must be prepared to receive it. So, I mean, you have to judge yourself on that. If you're prepared, then God could take you further. If I'm not prepared, He can't take me any further. Okay, to have a stronger anointing imparted to us, we must be prepared to receive it. People may say, I want the power of God, but are they ready for the responsibilities that accompany the power of God? And so that's just a little excerpt, just one little paragraph. And then I just wanted to read this one prophecy from Siberia. Uh, one of the three times I went with Dad Dufresne in Abakan, Siberia, July 3rd, 2002. These are the men. I was in a little room with him, about seven, six men in Five of us and him, I think there were. These are the men I will send out all over the world with special anointings. Special anointing, special works of God, special acts of God will flow through their ministries. And I'm one of those men. And, uh, you know, these are the men of the last days that are anointed by the power of God to do the acts of God, who yield themselves to the acts of God. Signs, miracles, healings. These are the men that will walk in the power of the acts of God and the healings of God. There will be a generation raised up for miracles, signs, and wonders. And particularly in my ministry lately, when I get to some churches, I'll pray for everybody 40 or below in age that really wants to move on with God and do something for Him. I was in Canada last year and I gave that invitation. I don't know how big the church is, but I would say we prayed for 120 people, maybe more. There will be a generation raised up for miracles, signs, and wonders. See, you, you know, the church has got to change if we're going to move with him. Just having church ringing the bell and people come sitting, listen, zip your Bible up, go home, it doesn't change it. That's not going to work. It never has worked. And I've never thought like that. All right. It says, who are these men that are moving across this land with the power of God? Anyway, I just think the book would help you a great deal. If you're interested, you could receive it. And then before I'm done talking about the book and stuff, I wanted to say something to you here just a minute. Uh, the last prophecy I got from Dad Dufresne was in Clarksville, Tennessee. It was in uh, uh, 2013. It was in August, I think. And I was in Clarksville, Tennessee. And uh, two months later, he went to heaven. Uh, and I said in here, it might be critical... 
these are just my comments, that you might be critical for you, talking to everybody here personally, it might be critical for you to be in a special meeting somewhere with the right people. What you receive or what you've missed or neglected to get because sometimes there's a lack of interest or just you don't care that much. See, when I hooked up with Dr. Dufresne, I got in these meetings, I had him here and I traveled with him and I believe God for the money to travel with him overseas a lot, but also in American stuff. I'm not bragging, I'm just telling you what I did. If that helps you, it should help you because some people just don't get motivated to want to do anything. And you know, by the way, I'm having a special meeting here in October. I mean, if you want to come, come. If you don't, stay home. But I'm saying there's some things going to happen for those that particularly participate and come here and be a part of that. Not because I'm special, because he's special. And he told me to have these meetings. And it'll be really the only one I'm having this year because the other two got canceled. Are you listening to me? All right, I just thought I'd help you there a little bit. Let's go over to Romans 1. Romans 1, that's the longest book introduction you've ever heard, but it'll help you if you're listening. Now, Dr. Dufresne said to me, I'm talking about Romans 1, I'm going to read something. He gave me this paper one day, we were talking, him and I, of course he was still alive then. And he said, I, I got, to, and I was talking to him, I was asking some questions of him because he's further along than me. You know, when you have a spiritual father, he or she will have more experience than you do. That's why you're with them to learn, to be mentored. That's a big secular buzzword. I don't like it, but it's fine if you want to use it. But I like having a spiritual father. I didn't have one until he got in my life. I had other colleagues that were smart and spiritual men, but they were never a father to me. Never took a personal interest in my life. Even when I started this church, I had five preachers tell me they were going to help me financially. Not one of them. Not one. And they were all close friends of mine. Not one of them ever gave a dime. I just went on and started the church anyway. I wasn't asking for their help. Here's my point. They shot their mouth off and then they disillusioned me in their own thinking. In my thinking towards them. Because I didn't feel like I could ever trust them again because they lied. It's one thing to tell, not tell somebody something and do something. Then you surprise them. But when you tell somebody you're going to do something by God, you ought to do it or just shut up. Because you're going to lose the trust of everybody you act like that with. Unless they're, they're not right in their mind. How many are listening? I'm not mad about anything. I'm just trying to help you straighten out. Amen. Don't be shooting your mouth off about things you're never going to do. Yes. And if you say you're going to do it and don't, then write an apology and say, I'm sorry, I can't do that at this time. We have people, you know, in a year's time, maybe four or five partners will write me a letter, which I value. And they say, I'm sorry I haven't been able to support you. Something came up. My husband lost his job. And we always write back and say, thanks for your help when you were part of us. I'll believe for your husband to get a new job. God bless you. Thank you so much. I don't yell at them. I don't scream at them. This is a volunteer thing for you and me. You know, you do what you want to do. But remember, if you're going to run into the wall, you're going to have knots on your head. Or if you listen to me, you won't have any knots. I don't like knots on my head from Paul. Anyway, Dr. Dufresne, I was asking questions about impartations. He pulled this out of his Bible. I'm going to make you a copy, Dr. Jacobs. I said, I love it. And this is from John Wesley. This is a Methodist. I don't think it's like the Methodists today, but he was an old-time Methodist. They spoke in tongues, prayed for the sick, cast out devils. Woo! I know some of you look at him and like, well, I got a cousin that's a Methodist. They don't believe any of that. That's just what I'm talking about. See, you lose out when you get going and you don't stay current with God. 
I've tried to stay current with God. And all my friends left me. Not only the five pastors that didn't come through and what they bragged about, a whole bunch of them rejected me because I hooked up with Dr. Dufresne. Hey, it was worth every rejection. Yes. Amen. And a thousand more. Yes. I got something. Yes. Not bragging, I just got it. I got something. I'm not the only one that got something, but I was a good son the best I could be at the time as I was growing in my knowledge of how to be a good son. And it didn't come the first day. All right. Here, here's what John Wesley said in his footnote. And my son bought me the book on Romans that John Wesley wrote. It says in the footnote that I may impart unto you, that's in verse 11 of Romans 1, and he says, by laying on of hands, by prayer, by preaching the gospel, and private conversations. That's the way you get an impartation. Not just coming to church. But if you come to church, in this church, Jordan and I will preach the gospel. Or whoever we have come will preach the gospel to whatever level they preach. Follow me? It might be ahead of us or behind us or even. You know, we're not in contest. But if it's the gospel, it will impart something to you. So that's what I'm believing today because... I'm going to read out of the Passion Bible first of all because it says something that King Jimmy doesn't. In verse 11, just hang on to this, verse 11, Romans 1, 11, For I long to impart unto you some spiritual gift that will empower you to stand strong in your faith. Now this means that when we come together, and we're together today, and are side by side, something wonderful will be released. Think about that. This is a more, more current person. He's alive in the planet, the guy that wrote this. Uh, something wonderful will be released. And I would say, personally, I would say that's probably the anointing. Either through preaching, like I'm preaching to you right now, or through laying on the hands, or through a private conversation. I would say I got as much or more from Dr. Dufresne in private settings as I ever got publicly. And I got ministered to a lot publicly. You know, just by listening to him teach. I would take notes, not with just a pen, but with my eyes. And I, I observed him. He was my mentor. He was my spiritual father. And I was under his covering, and I was there to learn something from him that I didn't know to that level. See, if you're unteachable, then you're never going to go anywhere. That's what I'm just saying. You've got to be teachable. And I had to change the way I thought about certain things, a lot of things. I'm not reluctant to tell you that. I, you know, I wasn't all that in a bag of chips, and I'm selling only a couple chips now. Okay? Amen. You're looking at me like, what's he mean? Just what I said. I paid attention. <laughs> so, let me read. So, I'm thinking something wonderful is going to happen to us today. Amen. See, whether I lay hands on you or not is not the issue right now. I might, I might not. I don't know yet. But at the same time, I'm preaching to you about this revelation that I have. It's not just a book I tried to sell. <laughs> it's a revelation I have because I watched my spiritual father. And I, you know when I first met him, uh, if he'd have used the word impartation, I don't, I don't think I knew how to spell it back then. I probably did, but I wouldn't know what he was talking about. And I'd been in the ministry almost 20 years in. So, you know, I know that you're somewhere in there either with me or below me or above me or something. But, you know, don't think you're all that if you don't understand things. And I've had several people since I started preaching this, and I haven't preached it near as much as I'll preach it now because I've learned more about it. Let's see, that's been 
seven years, <laughs> and I was preaching it three or four years before he went home, a little bit on it. And I had to think about, how do you get an impartation? In, and I looked at John Wesley's comments, and I thought he knew something about that, and Dr. Dufresne felt like he knew something about it. That's why he made me the copy. Hallelujah. So, I'm still in Romans. We, Romans chapter 1, we're not near done. We're just getting started good. Does anybody say amen to that? <laughs> okay, I'm just talking to you. I did want to share with you one other thing here. This is just real interesting. And I was talking to you about being with Dad Dufresne in August of 2013. Two months later, he went to heaven. I never, I had no recognition he was going to do that. It makes me feel unspiritual. But I asked everybody that knew him well, especially one of his intercessors that prayed for him a lot, and he said, no, I didn't get that. And I thought, well, hmm. So, you know, some things you don't always know. Remember Paul? I remind you the Bible says we know in part and we prophesy in part. So I only know the part that God reveals to me. All right, but I do know that part. But I didn't see that coming. But anyway, he called me out in that meeting, August 2013, Clarksville, Tennessee. He said, Michael, come up here. And he said, there's another part of the puzzle that's missing. There's one part. Something's missing. And then he hit me in the head and down I went because the power of God hit me through his hands. And he said to me, it's not missing anymore. So... Now, that doesn't mean I have everything I need for my life, but what, what was Dr. Dufresne saying? I'll help you understand. I got everything I needed from him that God intended me to receive. I never dreamed he'd talk like that to me. It concerned me. Diana and I, we had a conversation privately in the hotel later. It sounded like he's going somewhere. That's what she said when he said that to me. And we went back and looked, and I talked to Pastor Nancy privately about this. We realized that in the last year or so of his life, he started downloading some of his anointings to people. He did that with me, he did that with Pastor Nancy, and he did that with others. I wasn't in every meeting. Just thought I'd tell you that. Now, that didn't mean he knew he was going, but something was motivating him. See, sometimes you can do things you don't even realize what you're doing in your brain. You live out of your spirit. You do and say things you don't even, you get back from and say, what did I just say? I was in a meeting in Olathe, Kansas, five years ago, something like that, maybe further. And I started to preach, and I couldn't get it together to preach. That very seldom happens to me. And I said, and I tapped the guy. He's a Spanish church, so the pastor's interpreting. And I grabbed him by the hand and said, hold up. I said, somebody here, and you have elevated fluid levels in your liver, and you're in trouble. And I thought, what in the, my God, what did I just say? You know, I am a doctor, but theological, not medical. Elevated fluid levels in your liver. There was a pastor sitting right here who I'd met the year before. He jumped up and said, my God, that's me. He's a drug addict like I was, ex-drug addict. He went to the hospital that Friday, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. They took blood. They took enzymes said, you're in trouble. Your liver is messed up. You need to come back Monday. We need to do extensive tests. But you're in big trouble. And he said, my doctor at 4 o'clock in the afternoon said to me, you have elevated fluid levels in your liver and you're in trouble. And I got up in the pulpit four hours later and said, you have elevated fluid levels in your liver and you're in trouble. And he said, I couldn't believe you were repeating what the doctor said three hours before that. I laid hands on him and we went on with the service. You know, he fell down. You don't have to fall down, but he did. Got back up and I finished my sermon. <laughs> and 
he told me later, he went in Monday and they checked him and said, somebody up there likes you. That's their way of saying God must have did something. We don't know nothing about it. A lot of people don't know nothing about it, but God knows. And some of us do know something about it. And he can change your whole world in a moment of time. Yeah, and his wife's the one that helped me with my new book. Michelle, praise God. Anyway, let me read from the King James Bible. I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. To the end you may be established. That is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. So we see in this, it's interesting, I long to see you. Now let me say something here. You could get something from a book like my book or somebody else that writes a book that they know something scriptural. Uh, but you can get something from tapes. You can get something, some kind of impartations from not just being with the person. But this particular scripture here says, I long to see you. So that would mean the person that you're ministering to would have to be present with you to get that. How many understand what I'm saying? I've sent prayer cloths all over the world. Many people have been delivered from mental problems, physical problems, surgeries canceled, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I just prayed for a guy in March, I think it was March, maybe February. He's a young man, I don't know if I read that to you, he got these big cysts on his rear end. He was 22 years old, but when he was 17 in high school, he broke out with some kind of cyst. And it sounds pretty gross, but I'm going to tell you what he told me. He wrote the testimony, and he'd have these big cysts, and they would burst open because they had pus in it and blood. And he said, I smelled really bad. You know how embarrassing that was for me, Dr. Jacobs, as a junior in high school? I said, yes, sir, I can imagine. And he said, I had to get them all surgically removed. But just recently, six months ago, they all came back. And I went back to the doctor and said, I'm going to have to cut them out. You can't function like that. He found out I was coming to not his church, but another church in the same city in Cookville, Tennessee, Pastor Lou Cobbs. And he's from another church in that city who I know his pastor too. And he showed up. I didn't know he had that wrong. I said, get up here if you need healed. And laid hands on him. And he said, you know, I didn't feel a thing when you touched me, but said I woke up this morning and all of them left. Amen. Totally healed. They all just disappeared. Where'd they go? Don't worry about it. That's a dumb question to ask, where'd they go? It don't matter where they probably went to hell where they belong anyway. I wanted you to see something, though. You have to be present with the person on this particular area here to get it. That this, the way this, now there is a laying on a hands-on clause, and you can send them out, and if people believe, now you have to have faith to get it. You, you know, wouldn't matter what you sent to somebody if they didn't believe it, they wouldn't work. You have to mix faith with what you hear. Hebrews four two says. But I'm over here in Romans. I'm not near done with this yet. Hang on. I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift or out of my spiritual endowment. That's really what that means. Let me tell you what this word gift means translated from the Greek. It means a spiritual endowment. It means a miraculous faculty. It means a deliverance or a rescue. So you could get those four things out of that one word gift in the Greek New Testament. That's what that word gift means. In other words, whatever level of endowment the person has that's ministering, they could minister that out of them to you. And if they don't have it, then they couldn't do that. You know what I'm saying? Let's just say somebody uh, gave an endowment up here to IUS, say, you know, $150 million. Well, I'd say they could probably build a new building for that and maybe do research and maybe have a world-class 
professor that's doing research on cancer or something and have 20 associates and have a six-story building? I don't know. That happened in Nashville when I taught this years ago. Pastor Keith said a lady died, an elderly lady, had a lot of money. He gave them 300 and some million dollars at Vanderbilt University. Well, you can do a lot of things all of a sudden because you have that endowment translated into buildings and equipment and personnel that you couldn't do without that endowment. You're just a standard university without that extra endowment. How many understand what I'm saying? And it's the same in the spirit. God gives endowments to different ones to do different things because he cares about his church. <laughs> he cares about his body. Are you listening to me? All right. Now, I wanted to point this out to you too. It says, to the end. To the end. That indicates, implies to me that if I don't have the right impartations, maybe I won't get to the end. Maybe my end will be cut short. Yeah. I've told you that about angels too. If you don't incorporate the angels to protect you, then, you know, I mean, I wrote a book on it. You could read my book and do what I said and get the same benefit I get. They're not, it's not, I've got a market on them. I know what I'm doing. And I pay attention. You'd <laughs> be a good student. And you get that from me because we've taught you about angels. And that just comes by preaching the gospel. Plus, we've had a lot of demonstrations over the years. But I want to get to the end of what God has for me. That's my point to you. How many want to get to the end of what you're called to do? You don't want to die at 52 or 17 or 83 when you're supposed to live to 90 or something. You know, that's, that's silly. But this indicates you need impartations. And they can come from the gospel, too. And some things you could be born with, like Jeremiah had things said, before I, you were in your mother's womb, I ordained you a prophet to the nation. So he had some things in him. But once you get born into the earth, let me, let me tell you, you're going to need somebody's help. Nobody's ever doing anything by themselves that's done anything great. Even Jesus. You know, he said, I didn't do these things. My Father in me doeth the works. All right. So you realize I'm not criticizing. I'm looking at him. But you get to the end, and then it says, and you'll be established. I'd like to be established. I don't know about you. I'd like to be established in my faith walk, yeah. established in the way I talk, yeah. established when I speak to something, demons or sickness or cancer or whatever, it's going to obey me. Right. <laughs> and I've had it obey me all over the planet. Yeah. Not bragging. I mean, I cared about the person. I wasn't trying to build a ministry for myself. My ministry is to people. The endowments that I have on my life are in me to help you. I've only been able to get myself healed one time by my own laying on a hand. And the Lord said, I'm not going to do that anymore for you. You're a big boy. Get it by your faith or have somebody else that's anointed like you are to minister to you. Just thought I'd help you here. But the main way to get it for all of us is to get it by faith in God's word. That's the biggest way to be healed. The rightest way to be healed. But God condescends to all of us at times. Because I haven't always been at the same level. How many know what I'm saying here? Now it says, that is that I may be comforted together with you. He's talking about impartations now. By the mutual faith, both of you and me. So evidently I have faith to release what I have to go into you. And you have faith to receive it. See, like right now, you don't have to get in the prayer line. If you're receiving from me by my words, you're receiving an impartation right now as I'm talking to you. And God has impartations for everybody. Yeah. 
See, that's why sometimes I don't read everybody's book. A lot of people, you know, they mean well. I know they mean well, but that don't mean they know anything just because they mean well. Let me correct you here. They hand me a book. You need to read this. And I'd read three pages. It was trash. I shredded it. That's what I think of books that talk unbelief. <laughs> See ya. This is the way I live. I taught myself that. But see, a lot of people just read whatever looks spiritual, an author that you know his name. That don't mean nothing. Check him against the Bible yes. or her. Yes. Make sure they're telling you something that's scriptural. Yes. A lot of people go off believing half cocked and mm-hmm. half mental and half carnal. And then it never comes to pass because they're not basing what they're believing on the Bible. They're basing what they're believing on what somebody else said. Preaching real good here. Paul was imparting here out of his endowment from God to others. It was from a supernatural source. In other words, it was from God, wasn't it? It was a miraculous faculty. It provided deliverance and a rescue for the people to whom he imparted. Impartations come to us through men and women of God and help take us to the next level. Help take us to the next level. Help take us to the next level. These impartations can give us new equipment or enhance the spiritual equipment we already have. I mean, I was with Dr. Dufresne. I never told him what gifts I operated in, and I don't know what year that was. I could dig it out of here, but I think it was about 1998. I was in Terre Haute. I went to hear Dad Dufresne, and he called me out and said, you're going to operate in discerning of spirits and word of knowledge. You already do, but you're going to operate in it more accurately and more proficiently from this day forward. And that's come to pass. I didn't ask God for that, but I'm a good receiver. See, I had an impartation and it added something to what I already had. How many know a rocket ships faster than your motorcycle? <laughs> Something's been added to that thing to make it leave at 700 miles an hour, <clears throat> you know, or whatever it is, 2,000 miles an hour in outer space. See, things can be added, added to us. Hallelujah. Sometimes there will be callings, anointings, and mantles, listen, that lie dormant because people don't receive any impartations. Hey, you can imagine being having all this stuff in you that God's put, tried to put in you and it lays dormant because you don't have anybody that feeds it. Even yourself, you don't know how to feed it if you don't know you have it. But others of us who are a little further ahead, we could sometimes say, have you thought about this? Yeah. I don't know how many people, several people, my daughter being one of them, I ministered to her about her hands. She's got an anointing in her hands like I do. That doesn't make her special. She's special because she's Jessica and God loves her. That's just an endowment that I've ministered to her about over the years. And others of my sons and daughters that are in ministry at other places, they have other things in them that we've endeavored to speak to them that if it bore witness to their heart, listen to me, not just random stuff, because I could be wrong. How many, know, how many of you know you could be wrong about something that you thought was thus saith the Lord? And you've got to be a big enough boy or girl to, to not say anything, or if you do say it and they don't believe it and they don't, and for whatever reason it doesn't fit, then you just missed it. That doesn't mean you quit saying something. You know, I'm glad I stayed. I can still ride a bike. I'm 70 years old. I can still roller skate. Pretty good at it, too. I haven't had them on since I was about 15. (laughs) Hallelujah. 
I don't want things to lay dormant. Impartations cause movement and increase, much like a chemical catalyst that causes change when added. After an impartation, we are suddenly aware of, have a new sensitivity towards, and enjoy a new accuracy towards the things of the Spirit. So, impart, define, means a giving forth of oneself to strengthen somebody else or to heal somebody or minister to somebody in different ways. A spiritual father is one who infuses his own spirit into others. Impartations can come through prayer, preaching, laying on of hands, and private conversation, like I was reading from that other piece of paper earlier. Let's, uh, let's go over here to uh, 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 4. I want you to see something here. 1 Timothy chapter 4. And look at this with me for a minute. This is important for us. And uh, praise the Lord. We need to realize, I'm, I'm talking to you still about impartations, that impartations come to you all the time. Through the TV shows you watch, the movies you go to or pay money for to rent in your home, the music you listen to. You know, one of my favorite songs, I won't mention it because I don't want to rebuke somebody publicly, is a great song, but they got a terrible verse in it. So we changed the verse. Amsey changed the verse. Be smart. And you know, it, you say, well, what's the big deal? Well, it's not a big deal to you. It is to me. Because people are saying it and singing it. So I have to evaluate, you know, what I'm listening to. I don't care if it says it's Christian or not. I want to know if it's going to edify me. You get it through books you read, TVs, movies, etc. Things that reach your eyes and your ears are specifically important to you or certainly dangerous to you. My wife and I had uh, dinner. This isn't here anymore. It used to be Sam's Restaurant down here where the rental car place is now, Charlestown Road. And a couple came in. It was Sunday afternoon after church. They looked like they'd been at church. I don't think normal people dress up with ties on Sunday unless they have business. Had two children with them. I'd say they were young teenagers. I'd say 12 and 14. They sat right next to us. And we I wasn't trying to eavesdrop. They were just talking loud. And the wife said to the husband, uh, what do you think we ought to go see today? And I won't even mention the shows. One of them was a Harry Potter thing. Another one, some kind of Disney junk. We like Disney, but some <laughs> Okay, we like Disney, but we don't like everything of Disney. You know, yeah. I'm not into fairies and pixie dust. You got it? No such thing as fairies and pixie dust. But anyway, they were talking about these two occultic movies, whatever it was. We knew of them. We didn't watch them. It was the occult. And I, and I said, and I got in the car with her, ain't that pathetic? These people have been to church with their kids. God knows what they're teaching there. I don't know what church they went to. But here's grown adults, 40, 45 years old, talking about taking their young teenagers to movies that are going to corrupt their mind. Yeah. I'd rather go to a church where there's some activity of the Holy Ghost that's supernatural that none of you could explain. Uh -huh. I've been in services like that for many, many, many years, about 40 now. They have devils that get cast yeah, out. Yeah, devils get cast out. <laughs> I got in my prayer line one time and said, I want to kill my children. I screamed, come out of him. God threw him on the ground. Dale was there. 
and he levitated off the ground about six or eight inches. You could have tucked his two-by-four underneath him. He levitated. Right. And then God slapped him under the carpet. You know, he got delivered. Amen. God wasn't punishing him, but that's, what it, that's the power of God fighting that devil that was in him when I said, come out. And he got delivered. His kids are still alive today. That's been many, many, many years ago. Just talking to you here. You find 1 Timothy 4 yet? Okay. <laughs> We're just about done. Hang on. We're going to get through this. He says, uh, neglect, verse 14, neglect not the gift that is in you which was given by prophecy. Here's the thing I'm saying, the prophecies with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give yourself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto yourself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. Notice doctrines is important. For in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Now what I want to say to you is don't take that just in the strictest way it's intended for Timothy. Put yourself in there as a part of a local church that God many times prophesies to you. I don't prophesy every time I preach here. But I do when God speaks to me. Or maybe he speaks to Diana to speak in tongues and I'll interpret what the Lord was saying. Those things are for us. So what is that saying to me and you? We need to meditate on it. We need to meditate on it. So if we give something like that, and we usually put it in print, then you could take that home and you could look over it, and it's, a, it's an outline that's given you insight into the future. If the Lord says don't take the care, guess what's coming? You're weak. What's coming? Care. care. So he's trying to get you up and going where you're not, what happened? What happened to me? Well, you didn't listen. You didn't pay attention. I'm not making fun. I'm just saying when we don't regard the things of God, it's no wonder we're a mess. See, God wants to warn us. He, he knows all things. I don't. I only know what he shows me to say or do. But I know in part. But the part I know is important or he wouldn't be revealing it. How many are with me still? So you could take this, if it's God, you had a personal prophecy that was legitimate from somebody you trusted and it bore witness to your spirit that, that what they said was right then you ought to write that down. Then you ought to meditate on it because God has something for you to get out of that beyond just the fact somebody spoke to you and said a couple yay yays and thus saith the Lord to you or something like that, see? But if it's God and then he gives a personal prophecy to the church, a local church, that's to everybody in that church to receive something that will help set them right in the days to come. Hallelujah. Here's something else that we want to talk about a minute. You know, sometimes you have divine rescues. I'm going to talk about just for a couple of them that I got from Dr. Freeman. I was rescued many, many, many times over. But about 1980-something, I got a pain in my side, and it stayed there for 14 years. I won't tell you about the part when I just got weary and wanted to go to heaven, but I'm skipping over to that. Uh, I think it was... Uh, <laughs> 14 years, and uh, in year 13, I had become familiar with Dr. Dufresne, asking him to be my spiritual father, and he knew about that pain. I talked to him about it once, and uh, he, I was having lunch with him, and all of a sudden, he laid his fork down, the fire shot out of his eyes, just he and I at lunch. He said, Michael, you're, that pain's going to leave you. Now, in the interim, before I met him, that other first four, 13 years, I'd been to the City of Faith in Tulsa, 
I'd been to Methodist Hospital. You know, you do a lot of things when you're in a lot of pain. They make you strip naked. They shoot stuff up you. They make you drink stuff. They put you in machines and look at you, put a camera up you and look at you. All kinds of stuff that's not very flattering. But when you hurt bad enough, baby, you'd do about anything to get out of that pain. <laughs> but nothing they did was helpful. Finally, I went to an internist. He said, well, take this. And I took it, and I brought it back to him. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm an ex-drug addict. I don't want to take this. This makes me feel like I'm in next Tuesday, and it's just Friday. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to live like that, loopy. So I didn't take that. I mean, it, it took the edge off, but didn't take the pain out. You know, if you're going to take something, let it knock the pain out. Okay, this is my attitude about it all. Anyway, Dr. Dufresne got into my life, and he knew about that pain. And he said, and within about 10 months after he said that to me, it got up one day and went, boop. It didn't make that sound, but it boogied. It left. And that was back about 94. It's never come back. That's a long time back, isn't it? Yeah. But see, what I'm, I'm not belittling the doctors. They did everything they knew to do. I went to urology people, went to internists, and did all the tests they asked me to do. It cost a lot of money, about $20,000 on my credit card because I didn't have insurance because I wasn't going to lie to somebody to try to con the insurance people to pay for my stuff and lie about it. I don't do stuff like that. So... But Dr. Dufresne got into my life, and he had that prophetic anointing. And when he said those words, I just lifted my hands in that restaurant and said, Praise God, I receive it. Because I knew to say something, not just sit there and keep eating. My God, that was worth a meal and 5,000 other meals or whatever, you know. I'm just talking to you. But that thing left me. Been there 14 years. That's a long time to be in pain. You feel like you got a javelin sticking through you and coming out your backside. I'm telling you, it wasn't no fun. But God got me on the other side of it. And then, you know what, being an ex-drug addict like I was, let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Find that, find that reference with me. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. I'm just about done. This is going to help you, though. And we're still talking about some things here. Uh, I had, you know, I'd had hepatitis. And I, when I was a drug addict, I got hepatitis. Because, you know, when you're a drug addict, if you're a drug addict, you just ain't right. You know, let's just face it. Your brain don't work right. Your thoughts are an alcoholic or whatever substance abuse you call. You know, and I mean, <laughs> I got to be such a drug addict, I didn't care about anything but getting high. I didn't care about girls no more. I certainly didn't care about boys. But I'm just saying to you, when you get a drug addict, you become a very unusual person. Now, that's way back in 1969 through 71, 68 through 71, back in those days. But anyway, I had surgery on my body for something after I got saved. I'd just been saved six months. I had to go to the hospital and was in there for about 30 days. And these two doctors came in, three of them actually, and they said, what did you take for your hepatitis C? And I said, are you telling me I have it or I had it? You had it. Well, we want to know what you took because the enzymes from your liver and the blood work we did, you had hepatitis C and it would have totally destroyed your liver. It only did one half of 1% damage and it stopped abruptly. What did you take to remove that? And I said, I got saved. It's the only thing I can tell you. Got saved. Yeah, I asked Jesus into my life. We don't know nothing about that. And they said, have you ever shot drugs? I said, I was a full-blown drug addict shooting dope for three years from 
until last December, 71. This is May of 72. I got saved. They said, well, we don't know what happened to you, but you, you, it abruptly stopped or your liver would be ate up and you would die. Okay, well, fast forward that to 2000 and something. I went to a doctor to get checked and he called me on the phone at home. You know, they don't call you at, at home anymore unless they know you pretty well. He called and said, Michael, there's something drastically wrong with your blood. Well, now I had done some study because I'd prayed for some other people that had had hepatitis back 25 years ago and it came back on them. Isn't that right, Joe? He had it too, and it came back on him. And I prayed for him. God healed him. Amen. I got the medical report. He gave me a copy from the doctor. So in my mind, back in 2001 or two, whenever that was, the doctor, he's real upset. He said, you've got to come back today and give me some more blood. I said, well, sir, I'm going out of town to Birmingham. I will come back. I'll come back Monday. I'll come in Tuesday. If you want me to make an appointment, just put your lady on the line. I'll make an appointment now. I'll come in Tuesday and give you all the blood you want. I said, he said, well, I don't want to talk to you about it over the phone. I said, go ahead. I can take it. He said, you're in trouble. So naturally, the devil used that to make me think, oh, my gosh, that hepatitis has come back on me. It's trying to ruin my liver and kill me, you know, something like that. I'm just telling you what the devil shot to my mind. I didn't bring it up. I wouldn't think like that. But he was thinking like that. So I'm thinking, I'm going to go see Dr. Dufresne tomorrow in my heart. I was going to Birmingham to get in his meetings. And I was going to write a little note to an usher because they set me ten rows back. There's all kinds of preachers. And hand, say, hand that to Dr. Dufresne, will you? But I didn't even have a chance to do that. I got there the first night. And he got up to preach. And it was like he was stumbling around. He, he, like he stopped and he fell into a trance. And he just stood there like this for about, I don't know, maybe 40 seconds. <laughs> he came back like that and he goes, Dr. Jacobs, where are you at? And I said, I'm back here, sir. I was about back where the guy with the red shirt sat. He said, stand out in that aisle. He's still up front, Dr. Dufresne, my spiritual father. The Lord shows me there's something wrong in your body. Is that right? I said, yes, sir. He said, I know you believe in angels and kind of chuckled. An angel standing behind you, he's come to fix it. About that time, that angel hit me in the head and down I went. Yeah, and he fixed it. And I went back to the doctor and gave him all these vials of blood. And he called me on the phone and said, my God, your blood's perfect. I'm not against doctors. I'm for Jesus. I'm for healing. And if you need doctors, go. <laughs> okay. But let me show you the verse that God gave me after I got healed. 1 Thessalonians 3 and 10. Night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. There was something in me that was deficient and God took care of me because I love him. I didn't earn it. I didn't pay for it. I didn't even have a chance to tell my spiritual father I was there to get ministered to for that. How many are listening? He just picked it up from the Holy Ghost. <laughs> yeah, he picks things up. And then it says he perfected that which was lacking in my faith. Praise God. So that's just two rescues that I had. Now, in closing, let me tell you a couple other things here real quick here. Uh, first of all, let's go to Matthew chapter chapter 10 Matthew chapter 10 you say do we have to look up all these scriptures no but it would help us if we did that I know it takes extra time to do things like that it always does but we're here and we don't even have Sunday night service anymore so I mean you know and I'm not complaining I'm just speaking this is the main service so you know I think you give me a little lateral movement for a minute 
to listen. I got a couple extra things to say here. I'm talking about receiving impartations from somebody. And here, here it says in Matthew 10, verse 40, He that receiveth you, so if you've received me today, you receive me. In other words, Jesus said you receive him. And he that receiveth me receives him that sent me. That means God, right? And then he goes to give us definition of receiving. He that receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. So here we have three different people or three different things depicted. And I was reading that one day and the Lord said, have you ever thought about that there was the same person perceived three different ways? I wonder about some of you when you come to church, do you receive Pastor Jordan as your pastor or is he just Jordan to you? I know I'm a lot older than him. I'm his father. That doesn't mean he don't know some things. I know when he's up preaching, he feeds me, and I would never say that to trying to lie to you. And not everybody feeds me that I know. I'm very picky about who I receive from. So I'm asking you, when you come to church, uh, hopefully I'm upgrading your thinking here to put him in the highest position you can, which is Pastor Jordan. The more you elevate somebody is the better you could receive from them. Yeah, I know you'd say, well, if Jesus was here, I'd receive him as a prophet. Well, I'm a prophet. I'm standing here before you. How do you receive me? I, you don't need to respond. I'm just questioning you. How do you receive me? How do you respond to me? Or if you're a member at this church, when you, you know, maybe you have three or four kids and life is hectic. I understand that. But... What couldn't you pray on Tuesday afternoon when the kids are at school or taking a nap and pray for the services coming up Sunday that God would use Pastor Jordan in a significant way, not just to help you but to help the whole body? I'm standing on this a minute because I don't think some of you understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying to promote him to worship him. No man deserves to be worshiped, only Jesus. But the way you receive him is the way you'll be rewarded. That's what that says. See, if you don't show honor towards somebody that stands before you to minister to you, you couldn't receive. How about the boy with the knots on his rear end? I didn't even know why he was in the prayer line. I'm just using him as an example. He had to get him surgically removed at least once or maybe twice before he ever met me. <laughs> and God healed him. I didn't heal him. God used me through laying on my hands and my endowment for healing to go into his body. And I didn't direct it to any part of his body. I just said, be healed. And that anointing goes in to do that. So I'm just trying to help you here a minute. Now one last thing. So the next time you go to church or go to a meeting or you come to my meeting like in October, if it's your heart to be here, uh, then I have Pastor Dennis minister or Pastor Keith minister or whomever I would choose. That's my call. You should receive them in whatever gift they walk in. Pastor Diana is having Pastor Cassie come, Pastor... Cassie Flock in September, ladies' meeting. And Cynthia. And Cynthia, Pastor Cynthia. And yourself, anybody else that we know of yet? It's all being, it's all being orchestrated. <laughs> but when they come, if you receive them for what they have in them, you receive yeah. at a different level. Yeah. yeah. 
Okay. Let me go to, let's go to Ecclesiastes, and I'm done. Ecclesiastes chapter 10. You go back to Isaiah and keep going back to the left, and you'll run into it eventually here. Ecclesiastes chapter 10. And I think this is real important because uh, we're, we're talking about some things here about impartations. And so the next time Jordan gets up to speak, typically he's a teacher-preacher, teacher-pastor. So you could receive his teaching and it would make your mind think right if you take it and let it renew your mind. And even if you don't, if you, I mean, some things give you a struggle to believe for, but you could write the scriptures down and go back home and meditate on what he said based on that scripture. And then probably you would see it. I know some of you struggle because he's just 32 years old and I'm 70 and you may be older than him. That doesn't mean you know more than him just because you're older. And it doesn't mean that he anointed you to be the pastor here. Definitely it doesn't mean that. So whatever God anoints you to do, what I'm trying to say is if God anoints you to do something and I receive that person for their anointing that's on them as whatever they are and I would consider him pastor teacher then I can receive of his teaching and it feeds me and it ele elevates my thinking. I mean, he said some things in the last three or four years. It's been four, five years come this January since he took the church over. And I've looked at Diana and said, where did he get that? <laughs> it isn't like I don't know my Bible at all. You know, I have read it through a few times. All right. Now, this will help you and it might hurt your feelings, but you'll get over it. I'll pray for that to happen. Get over the hurt feelings. No, I'm serious, kind of. But look at this here. In Ecclesiastes 10, uh, I wanted to just touch you with this verse here because this is important. Don't abandon your legacy because of this verse. Let me read it to you. Uh, Ecclesiastes 10, verse 4. If the spirit of the ruler rise up against thee, leave not thy place, for yielding pacifies great offenses. Now, it didn't say, I just want to point this out, it didn't say the ruler was right. It just said if the one over you gets authoritative with you and gives you a correction, do you suck your thumb and go home? Or even come back with an attitude. You might as well have stayed home if you got an attitude about it. I'm talking about Jordan, but I'm talking about any of us. I know you can have an attitude about me because I'm not as gentle as he is. I really am a very kind person and love people or I wouldn't put up with it, wouldn't do what I'm doing. But at the same time, I'm just straightforward. But if you get offended and you had a place where it would have left you in peace, you remove yourself from all that to be a renegade, rebellious, a strifer, cause division at this church. Now, if you do that, I might have to call you on the phone or deal with you. And then it would just say, you know, either straighten up or leave because you, I'm not going to put up with this. Well, this isn't your church. Yes, it is. I founded this thing. I laid it on the birthing table to give birth to this. You think I'm not going to stand up for it? I'm not mad at anybody, but I, I'm just telling you, if you're going to be a strifer, don't come. If you're going to create problems in the church, we don't need you. Don't be so easily offended. I'm talking straight because... That's the best way to talk to people when we're talking about this. This is talking about being offended, and you had a place, but you left it. 
I can guarantee, I can promise you there's been some people in this church since I started that were highly anointed to do great things for God, but they forfeited the whole thing because they got smart aleck and they got offended because I had to bring some correction. And it was private correction, not in front of all of you. And they just got mad about it and stomped off. <laughs> and Donna can tell you, many of those cases, I said, please don't leave like this. Stay here and let us help you. Stay here and let us minister to you and restore you. But you know, right now you're in a position I can't trust you, so you can still come to my church, but I'm not going to give you authority until you straighten that out. Okay, thank you so much for your enthusiasm. Hallelujah. Now, if you, I know I've been talking for a while. Okay, honey. I'd like you to stand up if you need healing today. I'm going to speak to you from the front of the church here. If you need healing, just stand up wherever you're at. 